listen to the AZ Wildcats podcast, fortunate enough to be joined by a man of many seasons, Mr. Triple Double himself, Mr. Matt Muehlbach. Hello, Matt. It's been about seven hours since we last corresponded. <laughs> if, if, if the NBA has a summer league, you know you and I are texting back and forth. Absolutely. Matt, I actually, I, I've been remiss in asking this. A couple of people wanted me to ask you this. What is a day like in the life of Matt Muehlbach? <laughs> well, um, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a general counsel for a uh, uh, for a small private equity firm here in Tucson. And so I spend a lot of time, you know, doing that. And um, and I've got, uh, you know, two teen- teenage girls and anybody that has has anything close to that knows what that's like. And uh, so it's actually a lot of fun. They're good kids. And we um, my wife and I do a lot of uh um, following them around They're, they both play a lot of volleyball, which I think I've been saying this. I think that women's volleyball is the closest thing to men's basketball out there because it combines a lot of things. It combines unbelievable size, right? Athleticism and skill. And of course, women's basketball does the same too. But I think the women's volleyball is 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 unique in that, and and um, so it's fun. I, I get to watch them play a lot of volleyball. Both they both play indoor and beach volleyball. And um, I I grew up I mean, when I was in school here. I had a bunch of buddies that played volleyball: Judd Bushler, Steve Kerr, um, Harvey Mason, right. um, Bruce Frazier. They all played volleyball, and I I thought it was a dumb sport. And uh, now little I love did it. you know. <laughs> All right, Matt, let's talk about this Arizona basketball roster. Mm-hmm. Um, first and foremost, Tommy Lloyd was an A-plus hire. I don't think that there's any doubt about that. The one thing, though, that I, we've talked about a lot is that they needed to get tougher. You needed to have a little bit of a transition, not an overhaul, but a little bit of a transition. What have you seen from the first two years from Arizona basketball, good and bad, from Tommy Gunn? You know, I mean, I think, um, I mean, the good is he was able, I think, to adapt really quickly to becoming a head coach. You didn't feel like um, that, that it was something new and hard for him or something. He, it was going to take him years to kind of figure out it, it. It felt like on day one, he knew what he was doing. And, you know, for a guy that was an assistant for 20 plus years at a, at a major program, that's not surprising. But I think the ease of which he did it was surprising. And, and obviously, the, you know, he was left with some good players by Sean Miller, um, no doubt about it. Um, but I thought he did an amazing job of creating culture uh, really quickly and, and creating a, uh, you know, you and I, in fact, it's funny, I watch these NBA games and it's in the summer league right now. And the first game or two, everyone's on their best behavior. You know, they're all trying to do the right thing. You know, they're picking each other up when they fall down. They're throwing each other five like they're being good teammates. By about game three, it's all out the window. Like, no one cares. It's like, let me get mine. It's L.A. Fitness pickup ball. Like, move out of the way. I'm getting my points up. But for him to, you know, I really think, like, like instill, instill and install really this, this brand of basketball that – super unselfish and i think that is is like one of the hallmarks of his team how how hard they play how much they play together reminds me a lot of loot in fact you'll love this mike luke because you grew up in this era 
I was watching the 30 for 30 the other night of the Michigan Wolverines, the Fab Five. I was, and I, I was as well because it was right on after a summer league game. Yes, and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't resist. Right. I was watching it. It was phenomenal to watch just the history of what happened. And the shorts and all that was what, what got all the, you know, and their brashness and how tough they were. And obviously freshmen was what got all the press. But what stood out to me, was how much they shared the ball and how much they played for each other and how much like joy they had playing together. And that is one thing that has really stuck out to me with Tommy Lloyd so far. Right now, looking at the one thing about it that we can through the regular season, they've been a pluses, obviously postseason, a little bit more, obviously hit or miss. Now, last year, you and I talked about it for a long time that I thought they overachieved because I had no expectations of a two seed. Um, you know, going in there, especially when you lose what you lost, you get into the tournament though. And quite frankly, you got kind of punked. I mean, there's really, there's really no other way around it. So well, you lose some players, you lose Kirk Creasy, you lose to Bellis, but then you bring in some junkyard dogs. And this to me is where it gets fascinating with Lloyd is that a lot of times the really good coaches, well, not all the time, but a lot of them are stuck in their way. It'd be very easy for Tommy Lloyd to say, dude, I'm 61 and 11, buzz off. Yeah. It would have been really easy for Luke to say, I've been to two Final Fours, get off my back. But the great ones adjust at times when they need to adjust. And I think when you look at this roster now, whether you're bringing in a Keyshawn Johnson, whether you're bringing in uh, even a Jaden Bradley to replace Kirk Creesa, you're getting guys with a toughness acumen, especially mm-hmm. Johnson, who was in a national title game and at 13 and four, seven and seven throughout the season. That to me is the real sign of a leader right there, Matt, that you can be uber successful and then still be able to tinker and go in another direction if you need to. Yeah, I I totally agree, Mike. For him to, you know, have a, a certain makeup of a team and really change the makeup. It wasn't, I mean, it was like a a pretty big facelift (laughs) that, that he changed in terms of the style, in terms of the type of guy that, that that has come in. And, you know, you have a guy like, like Kashad Johnson that, you know, I think he started 71 games in a row for San Diego state on a team that is a junkyard team. So if you, if you're starting for that team, it's almost like saying, dude, if you, if you're a Navy seal, like I know what type of dude you are. Like if you play for San Diego State and start for 71 straight games, two year straight games, I know what kind of dude they're, they're bringing in. And like you said, they've gotten really athletic um, and they've really mixed that in with some youth. They have some great youth. By the way, I thought of this, Mike Luke, and that is you were uh, on the uh, uh, Four Peaks last year and this team all of a sudden has four seven footers again. Mm hmm. Four and, seven footers, exactly. The four peaks movement will not be stopped, Matt Mulebach. <laughs> so no, I think it's it's a, it's an amazing job by Tommy Lloyd to to really just you know fit some needs. As you said, I think they really overachieved last year in the regular season. Credit Tommy and the team for that. Um, I, I think you know to bring all those kind of new guys in, the the, the the transfers in really sink them in right away. They only played really seven guys. Um, and then, uh, but you know, look, let's face it. They underachieved in the tournament. It was a, it was a tough loss. However, I do think sometimes you can find amazing opportunity in those, in those tough losses. And that is, and I'm not predicting this will happen. However, if you think of Virginia, Virginia was the only team in history until last year that a 16 team had beaten a one seed. 
And the following year, Virginia actually won the national championship after losing to that 16 seed. I've got a feeling, even though the new guys on the team weren't part of that, and obviously the guys that come back will be Pella Larson, Umar Balo, uh, Boswell. I think this team is one that um, has, a, has a huge chip on its shoulder. It just feels like there's a big chip with the guys returning, um, you know, guys like – and guys that are going to get a chance to play, Henry Vasar, Dylan Anderson. I think those guys are going to have a chance to really step up and, and be productive. But then you have guys that – the new guys you mentioned, um, I think, you know, hey – Kashad Johnson's going to have a chip. He, he wants to win the title. He's in the championship. Caleb Love has a huge chip after kind of a, a year that was expected. I, I think the expectations for, for him were, were crazy. And, and, you know, I think he played really well last year, but maybe not to what some people thought the expectations, especially with his team. Um, you've got a guy like, like Bradley that I think, um, you know, he's got a huge chip. He wants to prove a lot. He's only a sophomore but a guy that started 22 games for the most talented team in the entire country. So I think it's going to be fun. Um, you've got a, a really interesting mix of people. And as I said, Tommy, as good as he is at building culture this fast, um, I think he's going to, I think it's going to be a, a fascinating team. All right. Now you, let's talk about a little bit about Caleb Love right there. Caleb Love is a lightning rod with a lot of Arizona fans. I don't understand why, but here's the deal. He wasn't efficient last year. There's no doubt about it. You can't be shooting 35% from the field. It just kind of is. It just kind of is what it is. But yeah. where I'm the reason that I'm excited about him, and I think he has the potential to be a 16, 17 point per game guy around 45 percent, is that Tommy Lloyd is an offensive master. This is no diss to Hubert Davis. But when you watch North Carolina last year and Doug Gottlieb brought this up on the show, <laughs> look at me yeah. with a little bit of a flex. Um, <laughs> Doug Gottlieb said essentially it was a high pick and roll or you're going to stand yeah. out there and dribble nine times and try to get yours. There's not going to be that here with Tommy Lloyd you're going to get your three or four dribbles but you're not going to be able to get where the defense just uh is basically keying on you that's not going to be the case here under Tommy Lloyd and I think that's where it's going to be really different and I think it's an opportunity that Caleb Love can absolutely embrace to be honest with you yeah and you know what's interesting is his three-point shooting went way down last year he was under 30 percent 29-9 from three What's interesting is his two-point percentage went up. He went from, I think, 38 the year before to 46 last year from two, which I find fascinating. Um, and what that, what that tells me is you're right. Teams were keen on him. He was probably taking a ton of shots late in the shot clock. Maybe not great shots, but he had to take them. He was their offensive threat. And in a, in a, in a much more continuity-type offense, he's going to get – better looks i think it's more of it it's more of a hey five guys everybody can touch it um i think the other thing that's kind of interesting is you go from two guys kirk Kreesa and courtney ramey who were not two-point shooters at all right they were just they were just three-point shooters essentially and i think it's going to be fascinating because now you bring love who can take it inside um the key or take it inside the three-point line you bring boswell who can do both and the, the number that really stuck out, I looked at this number, actually, Mike Luke. I'm coming with some research. Today. I want to hear it. Let's hear it, man. I'm coming with some real research. You're a lawyer here, not me. Jaden Bradley, 164 two-point attempts last year. 164. Kirk Creasa in three years had 119. Matt. Uh, Courtney Ramey last year had 
88 last year. He had 164, which, again, I'm not I'm not saying any you know is, one's better than the other, but it's going to be fascinating to see a different type of attack the rim, athletic, get in the paint, and how will that work with all the seven footers as well that, that, that Tommy Lloyd's going to put out there. So it, it's going to be a different look, and it's going back to your original comment, very different personnel that Tommy's working with. Matt, when was the last time you went to Circle K? Uh, Be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about that. Um, that was uh, two days ago with my daughter who was, who was driving to get gas. Here's the deal. If you want to see the great Matt Muehlbach or you can find anybody else there at Circle K as well, make sure you're not missing out on all the great stuff. Right now, text PHNX to 31310 to join their subscriber club and buy get a buy one, get one free Polar Pop, 32 ounce. Matt, you should have gotten a Polar Pop. I get donuts there. Oh, the donuts are fantastic it's, as well. It's, it feels like the weirdest purchase, but I get the donuts in the little – in like the case – and you got to get the tongs, and you know not everyone's used the tongs, but I use them, and right. use a little plastic, and then the plastic breaks off, so you just grab one. After and then you after. just go with it right there. Head to CircleK.com or go to CircleK.com slash store locator to find one near you. All right, let's talk a little bit. You mentioned the peaks earlier. Umar Ballo. I have gone back and forth a lot when it comes to Umar, to be quite frank with you. First of all, I was wrong on Umar Ballo. I never thought that he would be a 14-8 and eight player at the U of A. I thought that he would be, again, I've said it a billion times, I thought he would be more of a Gene Edgerson type. Come in, and there's nothing wrong with that. Come in, throw some elbows, bike knee pads, get dirty, all of that stuff. But he became an all-conference guy. With his body type and with his skill, is there a next move that he can make can he become 17 and nine or are we kind of like at a 14 and eight and damn it, we're happy to have the 14 and eight. I think both. I mean, I'd be, I'd be, you know, as an Arizona fan, I'd be really happy to see 14 and eight. Um, you know, I think he got, he got some looks because of how good Tubelis was last year. So he got some of that, you know, as the off guy kind of, if you will, but remember how good he looked in Maui right. and, you know, he was, you know, you make an argument the first month he was better than Tubelis. So I could still see the numbers going up. And back to Tommy Lloyd. Tommy Lloyd has talked about how much he loves working with big men. Right. And how much the you you get you see your work right away, actually. You can see the production. And I think it can go up because I think he's got some tricks under his sleeve this this offseason with Ballo, I think he's going to keep working with him. But I'll tell you the two guys, and I'm going to I'm going to extend the conversation to to two of the potential four peaks. What do you got? And that and that is Dylan Anderson and uh, Henry Vasar. I'm really interested interested to see those guys a year under their belt, understanding the system. We know seven footers, you know, come along a little slower than guards do. Not shocking at all. You know, I played with a guy, Sean Rooks, that redshirted his right. first year. Um, and he was, you know, NBA player for 13 years. So those two guys, I'm really interested in Anderson and Vasar, what they look like. I think they could be really dynamic this year. You're a Dylan Anderson fan, are you not? I am a fan of his, yeah. He can yes. he can go inside, he can go outside, he's got some athleticism. Um, I think for him, I don't know his full background. Um I think it's hard for seven footers to play people in high school that are as good as them. Who, right. who do you play against? And so you hear the terrible news about Dylan Anderson. I did not. 
his bike was stolen. <laughs> oh man, that is bad. I'm laughing You're because on a manhunt to find Dylan Anderson's bike, Matt Mulebach. And if he needs really? representation, maybe. I don't know. I don't. I don't deal with that. However, <laughs> however, if he if he, you know if he has an NBA contract, maybe. You've done that before for sure. That's okay. right. Oh, we're going to get back to the team in a second. I don't want to forget this, though. What is your favorite McHale memory? That's another question that I've had a few people ask me. Probably not Derek Martin. No, I was there for that in the stands. Yeah. Um, I was sitting with our old friend George Khalil mm-hmm. um, right behind the bench. I think, you know, I, I'll i give a, a little bit of a PC answer. Like, I, I it's hard to have one. Right. Um, for me, for me, I, I remember the first – time I ever stepped on McHale um, in the red blue game and, and it being sold out in 1987 and the crowd responding to Kerr coming back from the knee injury. Um, I definitely remember the Duke game that went double overtime that our good friend, Anthony Jamino, I think says was his favorite U of a game of all time. Right. Um, that was a big one. I mean, for me, you know, um, I think I, you know, I'll tell you one of the, one of the, Best memories I ever have of McHale is playing Gary Payton there my senior year. It was the last game of the season before the um, the, the tournament. I and, lost a lot of respect for Gary Payton in this game, Matt Milbach. I know, and he, he was talking so much smack. It was hilarious. He was talking – by the way, he was talking smack to our managers. It was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Um, so that was that was a big one. I think my last my last home game against Oregon meant a lot. Um to play those guys and, and win that. And I don't know. I mean, I just, I, 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 uh, McHale man is, is, it's just magic. I love being back there even now. Right. All right. Let's get back to this team. The, uh, I, exp- I think this year's team is going to be better than last year's team. Again, I thought last year's team was, and again, they were good, but I thought there was a lot of smoke and mirrors in play and that you didn't really have a, and again, Tabellus was an all-conference dude, don't get me wrong, an all-American, but that was not your traditional all-American that just get the ball to and get out of the way. He wasn't your Derek Williams type all-American for, even though they put up similar right. stats. I right. look at this I look at this year's team and I see a nice combination of toughness first, Umar Ballo, Keisha Johnson, but then I see other guys too that can make plays off the bounce like you just talked about with Jaden Bradley, Caleb Love, Kylan Boswell's coming back. I think this year's it might take a little bit of time, but I think this year's upside has a little bit more of a peak to it. Part of the pun, <laughs> I, I agree, and it's it, it's partly because one of the reasons people say you know I don't I, actually I don't think a lot of people know the reason that guard play is so important. They, they'll say it, oh guard play is important in the NCAA tournament. I think the reason it is, is because when you get in pressure situations, it's hard to just run plays and continuity offense. A lot of times it just breaks down. It's just pick and roll or one-on-one. And usually who has the ball in their hand? The guards have the ball. So the guards make plays at the at the end of the game. And the guards are the ones that a lot of times win or lose games. You look two years ago, why did North Carolina get to the finals? Because Caleb Love destroyed ucla in that elite eight game and or i don't know if it's elite eight or sweet 16 whatever one it was he won the game for him single-handedly right. because the ball was in his hands pick and roll it was late and he went off and when you have and i just mentioned you know we mentioned caleb love when you have boswell when you have bradley when you have guards that can make plays as you just said mike luke off the bounce 
you're going to have a huge advantage in in crunch time in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and that's and that's something too that I think a lot of people took for granted growing up. I took for granted because, you know, I'm coming up in the early nineties. I'm thinking to myself, this is easy. You know, you got Damon at the end of the game, you got Khalid at the yeah. end of the game. You know, uh, oh, we have to deal with Reggie Geary this year. I mean, and <laughs> then you go to Mike Bibby right. and J, you know, JT, et cetera, right. et cetera. Salim. Salim, you don't really realize how lucky you are. Well, to have guards like that that can really express themselves off the uh, off the bounce right there. Now, Jervis Williams is making up a point about Duke right here. I'm excited about this out-of-conference scheduling, Matt. This, to me, brings back uh, memories again to Loot, where, you know, now, listen, Loot wasn't going to be walked over. He wasn't going to go to Cameron and then meet for the second one in, you know, Kansas City or whatever. It had to be. But whether it was Roy Williams, whether it was Dean Smith, there was no problem with making those ones happen. I'm excited about this. I look at this out-of-conference schedule, <laughs> Alabama, Michigan State, Duke, and it, you know, it brings back some nostalgic memories right there. It does. And and you don't see it as much as you pointed out, except for just the, the big tournaments. Oh, there's the schedule. There oh, look at it right there. The great Jacob Franklin bringing this up. Wow. And Wisconsin at home, um, you know, Purdue. I mean, that's that's some big time stuff. And as you said, I mean, you, you see it at the Maui Classic. You see it in, you know, uh, the Bahamas or whatever. But playing in Cameron, um, you know, Mike, I, I was lucky enough to play in Cameron my junior year. Mm-hmm. And that's that probably is the best place I ever played. Um the one the thing that is so unique was it because of how close to the how close to the court the fans are and how condensed the stadium is. What made it so unique playing there? It was that it's tiny. Um, it was you knew that they you know they knew how to cheer. They knew how to like talk talk trash. They had all those funky cheers. They did all these weird things behind the basket when you shot free throws that were that were atypical. They didn't just yell. They did like sometimes they got really quiet. Which right. was which was hilarious. They would move sideways. They did all these things, but I think it's just also you combine that with Duke. It's Duke. And by the way, back then I don't know if they still do it. They had to wait in line to get into the games. The fans did, and so when we pulled up for shoot around, <laughs> they were all in line, and it was forty degrees out. They had a right. line of you know a thousand people long. They were fired up. They were they were booing us when we got off the bus. That was you know five hours before the game right all right matt you're i know you're up against clock because you got a real job right here but first before we sign off right here and we'll have you on again next i know you're going to be doing you're in and out a little bit hanging out in some tougher areas in the coming weeks but uh what are you what are you most excited about with this coming year's team matt what do you what are you is you know when you put down your notes and whatnot what are you most anxious to see that you might not have an answer to um, I think it's I think it's how this team responds to what happened at the end of last year. You know, the the, the toughness that they might play with, the different kind of style, the, the physicality they might play with. Um, what what I don't know is how all those guards fit together. And we didn't talk, Mike Luke, about Pella Larson, who I think is 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 a tremendous player and has a tremendous opportunity this year, but. How is Tommy Lloyd going to going to work all those guys? And mention all those guards together. I think the big guys are going to be all good and fine. They're going to play hard. They'll do their thing, but the guards are so talented. How do they share it? How do they mix and match? How, who plays with who? What combo works the best? That to me is the biggest question for this team. 
Is it easier? I'm sorry, I'm going to steal one more question from you. Is it easier watching your guys, Steve Kerr? They obviously, he's, in my opinion, those Warriors teams, especially the one with KD, were the best teams in NBA history. And quite frankly, I don't even think it's close. But there was always two to three dribbles. There was always, there wasn't KD just standing there. Is it easier for a guard, especially a high caliber guard, to play in an offense like that? Or do you want to kind of be the Damon where, you know what, I'm going to stand out here at the cactus and I'm going to get you off balance. And then what's easier from a guard's perspective? Or is there an answer? Yeah, I think the former. And I was, and as you know, I was never Damon anyway. I couldn't do that. But oh, you um, were twelve five and four, my friend. Though, come on. <laughs> but I, you know, no, it's easier. To, it's easier to play off of each other. I'll say this fact that some people probably would 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 be surprised to hear. When I first came to Arizona, you know who one of the greatest pickup players was of all time was Steve Kerr. He was incredible because the way in a pickup game, normally it's one-on-one, right? Right. But if you play with people that know how to play and they'll pass you the ball and they'll move without the ball, um, it becomes contagious. It's fun. You start working off of each other. Um, and I saw him play years later in Corey Williams's league here in Tucson. Mm-hmm. And he, he, and he didn't Were you know still living with Steve at the time. And what's that? Were you still living with Steve at the time? I, I, no, this, I think this was after, I think this was after, and he was finishing his career yeah. and he, he played in one of those games with Corey, you know, one of the, one of the teams in Tucson. Yeah. And I think they were blown away by, I mean, of course he was a great shooter and a great player, but how much he moved without the ball, how much he passed the ball ahead, how much he, it, it was, it was such a, a, like a pleasing way of playing. It's how the Warriors play now with frankly, you know, the best shooters in the history of the world. Right. Um, so playing like that, if those guys play like Tommy does with them in terms of unselfishness, it's going to be fun to watch. All right, Matt, as always, really appreciate you. I'll be messaging you, I'm sure, this evening. Um, get to work. Is Wimby playing? Is Wimby playing tonight? Wimby. Is our man Wimby playing? No, he's out for the rest of the summer league right there. I hate to break the news. He's not you, even playing again? They're not playing him again. Nope. They only wanted to play him two games. But, Matt, I'm telling you, that's a top 25 player lock if he doesn't get hurt. Uh, if he, Assuming he doesn't get hurt, take that to the bank, my friend, or take that I to the – I think that's going out on a limb, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to watch that. I, 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 appreciate the, uh, I appreciate the prediction. Right. He's the great Matt Muehlbach, a man of many seasons, and, again, first triple-double in school history. Matt, we'll talk to you soon, my guy. Thanks, Mike, Luke. Appreciate it, buddy. All right, talk to you soon. Matt Muehlbach right there. All right, got to pay some bills. I got a lot of questions to get to right here. Kevin O'Neill, oh, the great Kevin O'Neill uh, uh, question here from uh, Rich Carrillo. But first, BetMGM. All right, we're trying to get you to all back the A right here. BetMGM is the best place to back the A on Arizona football overs and Arizona basketball overs. It's very simple. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code PHNX. There's a few different offers depending on where you live. But for our Arizona audience, place your first bet offer and you'll receive up to 1000 back in bonus bets if it loses with BetMGM. Again, make sure you use bonus code PHNX. Check out show notes for full details. Let's hear Shane Diefenbach. Claimer 21 plus to wager. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369, New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP-ARIZONA, 1-800-522-4700, Kansas, Nevada, 1-800-327-5050, Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF-IOWA, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan.
All right, let's get to some of these questions right here and some of these comments. They're all great comments right here. Um, let's see here. Uh, let's see here. Da, 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 da. All right, Jesse Johnson, great. Are we a better team if we get more efficiency out of Ballo in fewer minutes, filling in with more versatile lineups when he's on the bench? Honestly, that's a that's a really really good question. I don't know that I don't have the answer to that. Um, because I don't quite know exactly still what Umar Ballo is. And that's why I wanted to ask Matt about that. If Umar Ballo is really in 28, 29 minutes, more of a 30 or excuse me, 30 and 15. If he's more of a 19 and eight guy, a 17 and nine guy, then you obviously got to play him more. I'm inclined to think though, that he's probably better. I think he's probably about right in that 27 minute frame. I don't think that he has the, uh, the body type to really be able to make that next move. But I, you know, again, I've been wrong on Umar Ballo before, so I'm not going to sit here and say that as well. All right. Now, uh, let's see here. Jervis Williams. Pella is the next brawn. I said what I said. Jervis, I hope you are right. My only beef with that is, well, there's two beefs with it, is that Pella really can't dribble the ball. Um, and Pella really can't come off screens and shoot because Pella's got a very slow set shot. But athletically, they're very similar. They're both tough dudes. Um, I can see Pella averaging 12 or 13 per uh, this season. I don't dismiss it, but I don't know that he has all the kind of skill set right there that uh, Christian Brown does. But again, we will find that one out. Now, Jacob Franklin, if you could pull up the uh, the roster for next season, I wanted to talk about a few of these players that Matt brought up and reiterate some of these. All right. I thought he made a great point about Jaden Bradley, and I'm going to steal this point and run with it in that you look 164 attempts at the rim or in the paint. That's something that Arizona just didn't have last year. I mean, there's no way around it. Arizona didn't have that. And not only did they not have that, they didn't really have anybody that was trying to do that. That to me is a big difference right there in this Arizona Wildcat team and what they have. Now, I know that uh, Rich Carrillo is not a fan of the international player. I'm going to say is this, Rich. I used to totally agree with you. But after a while, though, there are so many awesome ones in the NBA that I think you almost have to look at it on a case-by-case basis. I mean, the best player in the world is an international, Nikola Jokic. You look at Luka Doncic, one of the top five players. Uh, Giannis, obviously, he's a, he's a different kind of international. But, you know, there's a lot of awesome, awesome international players now. Now, so far, Arizona's not batting a, hate, a great percentage on them, but – at least, you know, under the Tommy Gun era. But at the same time, there's only been a few. Krivas, Polly M, I think are both going to be fantastic, uh, are going to be both fantastic uh, case studies there on what Arizona is going to be able to do. Then Kylan Boswell, you're giving Kylan Boswell the keys to the, the keys to this right here. He's, uh, I know he didn't play well in the FIBA U19s. I don't really care a ton about that because those are also more, I think, for individually talented players. I'm not saying he's not talented, but Tommy Lloyd is going to put Kylan Boswell in position to be able to make plays. And there's not going to be a time out there where Kylan Boswell is going to be standing around and Tommy Lloyd's just saying, hey, figure something out. Boswell's going to be in that offense. Boswell's going to be able to figure that kind of stuff out. And I'm excited to see what he can do there because, honestly – he was a lot better. I would say to everybody out there, look at what you saw with Kylan Boswell last year, as opposed to what you saw uh, in the FIBA 19 games. Um, 
Uh, you're right. Andres, we need to get Morauskas on there. I do apologize. I have been bereft of my duties right there. But speaking of which, and we're going to get to the four peaks here in a second because there is a movement here to try to besmirch Dylan Anderson, led by Jason Shear. But one thing that you can't do is besmirch Four Peaks, the official brew of PHNX Sports. Check out Four Peaks Brew or Four Peaks Pub to keep up with the latest on Arizona's hometown brewery. Must be 21 years or older to drink Four Peaks. Please drink responsibly and bird dogs now you want look at me and you can figure out pretty quickly i'm not the coolest dude in the world i'm no jacob franklin but when i get bird dogs and again i got a free pair of shorts the other day i feel cool and i feel comfortable out there go to birddogs.com backslash phnx to enter promo code phnx for free yeti style tumbler with your order that's birddogs.com backslash phnx or promo code phnx for a free yeti style tumbler you don't want to take your bird dogs off we promise you i can agree with that i can testify to that one as well check it out bird dogs um now up front though the four peaks and we got to talk a little bit about Crevis. Crevis was Crevis was really, really, really good, and has been really good this summer. Montias Crevis, he's not hit campus yet, but let's be honest, um, he, he's he's massive. He looks really big, and he looks like he's fairly skilled. Now, again, there's going to be some question marks about what he can do, and I totally understand all the questions about, you know. Uh, not getting excited about it because we got excited with Henry and Henry still might be good, but Henry was probably a little bit initially overhyped. Um, but Crevis right now is uh, Crevis right now. You got to be pretty excited by what he's uh, what he's able to do right there because he and again, he's huge. It's going to be a big offseason, though, for my guy, Dylan Anderson. We're working on getting Frank Caliendo on. Nobody backs Dylan Anderson more than Frank Caliendo. We're working on getting him on the show. But between Henry Vasar, between Dylan Anderson, between uh, uh excuse me, uh, Crevis, between Keyshawn Johnson, Umar Ballo, leader of men, there's a lot of options right there. There wasn't a lot of those options this past year. So you got to imagine that a few of those ones would emerge. And um, not only would they emerge, you got to think too that there's going to be a couple guys that are going to be possibly double figure scores. I think Keyshaw Johnson is probably going to be an 11 and eight type player. We'll find out about that one for sure. Now, one other thing here, again, Pins and aces. Sorry, I'm getting all my reads in right here because Matt was against the clock and didn't want to uh, steal some time right there. Pins and aces. Check out pinsandaces.com and use code PHNX to receive 15% off your first order and get free shipping. That's pinsandaces.com. All right. In my opinion, though, like I said, and I think, Matt, um, well, I know Matty M agrees, this Arizona team is going to be better than last year's team. Now, again, they might not be a two seed, but I do think at the beginning of this or at the end of the season, this is a team that's going to be much tougher and a much tougher out. That's for you right there, Rich Carrillo. And again, it's kind of a show, don't tell. Totally get all that. But Tommy Lloyd clearly understood this offseason that he needed to make some adjustments, and he did just that. All right. Big thanks to Matt Muehlbach. Big thanks to all the comments right here. Tomorrow, we got Jason Shear popping back in here. And then after that, we got lead 24-7 recruiting analyst Travis Branham coming in here, talk a little Carter Bryant, talk a little Jamari Phillips. You name it, we got it. Again, shoot me a text if you'd like a certain question answered. Probably be able to get that done. But again, appreciate all of you. Be back with you tomorrow. Same time, you have been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast.